SMQBs. This is episode 98. We're first going to cover a little uh, college football national champion. Congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll talk about the state of college football. Uh, then, of course, NFL playoffs, super wild card weekend. Lots of opinions, lots of thoughts on that. We go through our locks. Uh, we actually did okay, believe it or not. Uh, then we play a little game in the NFL, GM Coach QB. What's the most important one? You can pick one. Check out the opinions of the of the boys on this one. We are starting round one of the great Girl Scout cookie lip smackdown. That's right. We've ranked all Girl Scout cookie flavors, and we're going to take them through a tournament and see who comes out as the uh, national champion of Girl Scout cookies. Punchable face of the week from the mailbag and a great Ted Lasso. You won't want to miss that. Check us out. Leave us five stars. Thanks for listening. From the people climb up on the booth, singing from the people on the people, my head's the roof, dancing on the ceiling, on the people, I got people on the dancing on the people, I got people. SMQB's episode 98. TikTok, fellas. Picking out your spot for your uh, tattoos. Picking out, my, picking right out my, there, spot bro. For my victory parade. Yeah. All right. Let's I'm let's do it with first. the Tyson side of the face. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll pay for it, Pope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this number 98 was. Let's see here. 97 and one in New Jersey State Wrestling before he went to the University of Pittsburgh. Andy Darcy. <laughs> that would be his brother, Pat. <laughs> Number 98. Uh, Six I'm... foot three, 340 pounds, undrafted because he had a pectoral injury. That he had to have surgery on. He missed his entire last season. Uh, and because he missed it, he was thought of that he was going to be a draft pick, a lottery pick, and instead was undrafted. He finished his NFL career with a Super Bowl ring, 564 tackles, 22 sacks, five forced fumbles, nine fumble recoveries, and had a fairly lengthy career uh, on the sideline. Broadcast. The Goose! Yes, the goose. Until I his very untimely death. Background. Wow. wow. Until the goose. untimely death in June of uh, last year, June or July of last year. What was it? Was it June? He passed away on June twenty second, twenty two, at the age of fifty five. Does anyone know what what his cause of death was? Did he have a heart attack? Well, all that I found was that he died in his sleep, uh, and I, I don't know. And I, I don't, didn't really see too much, uh, but he was definitely a personality uh, in addition to a pretty dominant player I, when yep. he played. Yep. He had a pretty good career. I mean, I think, you know, you spend 12 years in the NFL, um, you know, that's that's nothing to sneeze at, right? You're a pretty solid player if you can pull that off. Uh, and, yeah, 97-1 and one, uh, as a state wrestler. I thought, Toby, you might like that. I never knew that background about him. He was a good player. Yeah, he was. He was very good. Wonder who uh, the one was. Good question. Yeah, we, this is question. the second episode in a row we've mentioned the goose. We talked about him recently. I can't remember why. Hmm. Huh. 
Huh. Well, it was, uh, there's not a lot of 98 out there, by the way. Um, Julian Peterson was another possibility. So, um, Jesse Armstead. Who? 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 Clearly, you've been doing Come some research. On. Who? No, no, no. He's my. He's the Giants. <laughs> Who? The Giants linebacker. Come on. I don't know. I don't, I don't think anybody remembers him. Oh. <laughs> from, Dallas. Is Gi- from Dallas. I've already had. I've already everybody had enough Giants Jesse talk. Armstead here in Dallas. We're we're six minutes in, and I've already had enough Giants talk already. So unfortunately, ah, it's going to get more. a lot worse. Yeah. All I'm right. Tr- well, I'm trying to contain myself. I know. I know. That's what all the Giants fans are doing. They're all saying, oh, we're just happy to be here. We're ahead of schedule. We're doing great. Yeah. And then, tr- and then trust the them. process, bro. Yeah. And then you'd catch them on the sidelines. You know, <laughs> so they're uh, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Hey, let's um, look. We don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Before we jump into all the, the NFL playoffs, we do. We did crown a college football national champion, uh, Pope. You want to give us a quick update on on that Your prediction? Um, yeah. <laughs> First of all, like it seems like years ago, last Monday night. I mean, it's right? Been, years. It's been a long week. Did they actually play football a week ago? Um, on this podcast, we we did our preview, and you know, I said I did predict the horn that the frogs would win. Um, I I was drinking the Kool Aid. Clearly, I was. Uh, without my mental faculties because it went against every rationale that we've always had all year long on TCU. Somehow they were able to, you know, get by and advance. And finally, you know, their magic beans ran out or whatever you want to call it, but it was an epic mismatch. Uh, I mean, you know, milk called it. He said, you know, this is going to feel a lot like Alabama, Notre Dame, 2012. Well, yeah, it did until it didn't. And then it just, got away 65 to seven most points scored you know by a, a team obviously in college football playoff history um georgia scored on all six possessions in the first half which was on hadn't happened before you know bennett four touchdowns passing two touchdowns rushing uh what a great two-year run by stetson bennett um the guy was on you know not uh, not thought of highly coming out of high school had some issues uh, getting finally onto Georgia, and and then boy, he took advantage of the opportunity. Let me ask you something, Pope. You know, at some point in that game, would it have been more entertaining for you if if uh, Kirby had put in some backups? <laughs> I mean, it's honestly, I, I never thought well, I'd he, say say this he, in a national championship game, but it seems well, like the mercy rule was should have been invoked at some point. Yeah, I mean, look, how many points, I mean, how many points is enough, though, right? 27? I guess not. Uh, you want to win, and, and you want to win convincingly. And, you know, you guys have all heard that Kirby Smart one-minute diatribe where he just goes off. Uh, it is not for any uh, young listener to to listen to. But, I mean, Kirby had those guys ready to uh, run through concrete walls, and, and they were not going to take – uh, the uh, uh, gas uh, pedal off the gas. By, so, by the way, though, I, I hate to tell you that um, that that clip that leaked was from a game earlier in the season. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but but it gives you a flavor. Who said? Who 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 knows what exactly before the championship game? I don't know. We haven't heard no, the locker room. No, you're that, right. Right. 
I'm just but saying, I, I don't know. He, I mean, it's sportsmanship. You know, he's got guys eating chicken wings on the sidelines. Well, look, he pulled running he pulled up Bennett. Score. He pulled Bennett a minute into the fourth quarter. Let me I ask mean, you. Let me ask you a question about Bennett. <clears throat> uh, and maybe we're not the best group of teams to judge it by, but sight unseen, would you guys have Stetson Bennett coming in at age 25, 26 as your backup quarterback next year on your team? Sure. Yeah, he's a permanent yeah. backup, though. He's never going to be a star. I think he's a permanent backup, but I think he could play a very good backup role in the NFL. Like, despite I think his age, get, I think at some point he'll get a chance to be a starter. You think so? I'm not saying he's going to. Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, Taylor Heineke didn't start playing the NFL until like 26, 27, right? I mean, he was out of football basically when, when Washington called him and he started a playoff game against Tampa Bay and almost won. So, you know, and, and he's a good back. That's a, that's actually a pretty good comp for, for Bennett. I think I read uh, an I, article. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I was saying, I read an article on, on uh, Bennett saying that he's the perfect backup because he's this really smart guy who doesn't need a lot of reps in practice and he can pick up a system and just come in and execute it without, without the reps. So that's what you want coming off the bench. I would say that, for what he accomplished in college, he has a resume that definitely compares favorably with Tim Tebow. I mean, I think in terms of what he did in college, he's one of mm-hmm. the most accomplished college quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And and mm-hmm. and he played the best when it mattered in the college football playoffs. I mean, he had probably records that will never be broken. How many um, quarterbacks, college uh, quarterbacks, have two national championships? Very few. Tebow, obviously. More running um, backs than quarterbacks do. I think I think AJ McCarron got it for Alabama. Either that or McElroy. I can't remember which. One of those guys because they had back to backs. May have been McElroy. Uh not and then and yeah, not that many. I mean, because yeah. Cause they go pro. Uh um, right. but look, uh I mean, the SEC, they've got now six college football championships out of the college football playoff era. And and th- this was the best. If they hadn't already decided to go to the 12-team playoff, this certainly would have put them over the edge. Um, we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, TCU in 2025, when we start this, they're not going to survive uh, a, a TCU team like this one won't survive all those games to get to the national championship. I mean, you, you'll have, I, I think you'll have better matchups. You won't have as, as much of a mismatch. Um, I mean, TCU has picked seventh in the big 12 and there are 201 odds to begin the year national champion. And, and for a reason, I mean, they had a great year and, and finally somebody on this pod got on their bandwagon a little bit late, but they still were not, the equal anywhere close to the equal of Georgia's talent and athletic ability. And the speed wasn't even comparable, but, but, but one question on that Pope, and, and I, I don't want to spend too much more time on it. Cause it was such a blow, but who was like, who was a, a, a I mean, Georgia was loaded. What team <laughs> would the outcome maybe have been different with Tulane? You're not going to want to hear it. <laughs> I don't think you could say that. I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, Alabama lost two games this year. 
Yeah, they They're lost not- games in the last play of the game on the road, and they didn't execute when it mattered. But they had – you're asking me a question. <clears throat> they had the talent, the speed, and the ability to compete with Georgia. They were built that way. They just didn't do it. But they were a team that could have. That was sort of Milk's point last week is all these five-star t- teams like Alabama could compete with Georgia. TCU was going to run out of time, run out of luck there because they had three-star, four-star guys. I, I guess Absolutely. I guess I guess my point on it is TCU, I mean, beat Ohio State, right? That, Michigan. That, no, Michigan. Sorry, Michigan. They beat Michigan. And so clearly they had the talent to play with Michigan. And you know, I guess I'm just I'm just saying, like, I don't know that you can just say that it, it was Georgia would have had a harder game against anybody else. And the TCU was a path. I mean, TCU got there. They, you know, they went through the big 12, which is not awful football. Last time I checked, then they had to beat Michigan who won the big 10. And, you know, I mean, they clearly had a good team. It wasn't a fluke that they got there. I I think that's a mistake to think that was a fluke that TCU got there. And I'm just suggesting that the gap between Georgia and everybody else this year was was pretty wide. Well, I think what well, I mean, Ohio I think, State had them beat, but for yeah. Kirby Smart calling a timeout on that on that fourth down fake punt, they would have lost that game. So, so right, so Michigan beat Ohio State, TCU beat uh, Michigan. That was my point last week, and right. what, what you and Milk said, I think, is correct. TCU has to play at one hundred and ten percent. They have to have their A++ game just to compete with these powerhouses. And teams like Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama can put in a, a B, B-plus game and still dominate. That, that's the difference, I think. Yeah. So we, we have one more year still of this drivel of somebody. One more this. year. And okay. <laughs> take a look at Georgia's schedule. They're, they're going to be bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you have one more year of the of the big four, Alabama, Georgia, you know, maybe Ohio State. Let's see if Michigan can do it again. I don't know. Clemson, who knows? But, you know, those teams will dominate the final four spots again next year. And then and then we'll open it up. And that that'll be truly finally, you know, a fun way to figure out the, the best team. Well, you're also going to have the the effect of two other things, the name, image, and likeness contracts and the portal. Um, so, you know, there's going to be more opportunity for recruits to, to say, you know, for, for coaches to say, you're going to have a chance to play in the tournament, right, to get to the national championship. Right. It's not going to be, you got to go to Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State. Uh, you're going to have more chances. And then there's also going to be, you know, we're seeing guys, you know, I think I said that one third of the players were going to enter the portal. Uh, this year, and and then on top of it, the the nil contracts. Some of these teams are just going to decide to start competing overnight. Right, like if you're if you're a college in a major media market, that gives you a huge leg up. You you know where you can recruit and say, well, yeah, you can go to some school in some backwater town that happens to be in the SEC, but we'll get you the LA market or the New York market or Chicago or whatever. Or maybe if you have your own television network. Yeah. <laughs> Right. That might yeah. help. Well, we, we should leave college football. There's so much to talk about in the NFL, but I, I do want to note um, the, the the passing of Devin Wilcock and and Chandler LaCroix 
Um, Devin was a was a lineman on the Georgia team, and Lacroix Chandler Lacroix was a, a um, I don't think she was a trainer. Was it a um, like a scouting recruiting, uh, recruiting, recruiting coordinator, coordinator? Recruiting coordinator. Twenty twenty and twenty four years old, uh, killed in a car wreck. Um, unfortunately, following the celebration on campus of the national championship, uh, a couple other players were in the car and were injured. Um, so that's that's a sad story out of uh, out of Georgia and following up on their national championship victory. And uh, House, don't you have some breaking news? I just saw, I guess by the time people listen to this, it will be maybe old news, but I, I'm surprised that Jim Harbaugh is coming back to Michigan. I, I thought, notwithstanding their great success the last couple of years, I thought it was going to be too tempting for him to chase the NFL again and that he'd get lured for the money and the opportunity. But he's staying at Michigan. And to think that three years ago, before these last couple of Ohio State wins, there were – 100,000 people in Ann Arbor that would have driven him to the airport for him to leave. Right, right. <laughs> right. But, but you know, I, I think the only team he interviewed with is the Broncos. And I'm not that surprised. Who wants to go be head coach of the Broncos right I think now? I he interviewed with the Panthers. You're handcuffed. Maybe the hand, maybe interviewed with the Panthers also. Either way. I, I was, I don't think so. Cause I was, I was thinking we were going to talk to Jerry tonight and, so I went through the teams of who, they, who who they've interviewed, and I think it's just the Broncos. I mean, you you you'd have to come in there knowing that you've got a quarterback for the next what two at least years who you have to play regardless of performance. You've got no draft picks, and the team's getting old. I mean, it's a, it would yeah. be a tough job. Yeah. Well, that's the end of college football. Let's move on to a little uh, NFL super wild card weekend. Um, and it was it was pretty fun, actually. I mean, I, I really like the lineup of games. I know that a lot of people aren't real happy with it if there's a Monday nighter and someone's got a short week. Um, but uh, House, what'd you think? I think that we were lucky enough to witness one of the most ridiculous comebacks in NFL playoff history. I mean, you just cannot throw four interceptions and win an NFL playoff game. But Trevor Lawrence in did one half. But you, but you can in but one half. Can. In one half, and uh, holy crap! I mean, if you watch the, if you saw the drive charts for the Jags, it was basically turnover, 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 muffed punt, and then touchdown, 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 field goal to win the game. And all along the way, they got a defensive stop. And I, you guys talked about it last week that this decision by Staley to play his players in week 18 when it didn't matter, hurting a star wide receiver, who knows whether it would have made the dif- difference, but you got to have every player available to you. And that is like an epic head coaching blunder that he made. Yeah. Yeah. Pals, um, how many times do they run the ball in the second half? How many times did the Chargers run the ball? Yep. Yeah, I didn't even know. It's five? Seven. That seven times. Seven times. They're up That's 27 insane. nothing, and they, and they don't run the ball. They yeah, don't run the ball. Coaching malpractice. And, yeah. and they were snapping the ball, you know, with 15 to 20 seconds left on the, on the clock. I mean, they horrible coaching. Yeah, every, every play. Every play, they were quick snapping. How has he not been fired yet? <laughs> He's got to be I mean, fired. I can't believe it. Like, what, what's going on? 
crazy. How how has Herbert not demanded that he be fired? Herbert, yeah, Herbert deserves to have a good head coach. I mean, this is a huge waste of a talent right here. I mean, they'll be back. I mean, obviously with Herbert and Eckler and a healthy Williams, you know, a healthy Bosa, they'll they'll be back. But that they they missed a golden opportunity there, and I I do think they could have made some noise because of Herbert. I think the Jags won their Super Bowl. I think they're going to get demolished in Kansas City. Uh, they just can't run with those horses. But it was it was an incredibly fun game. But if we're talking about coaching blunders, I'm curious if you guys had the same reaction as me to the John Harbaugh coaching decisions in that game. Uh, and in particular, the decision at the one yard line to send Huntley over the top uh, in that play that really will go into another play and playoff legend for a 98 yard return. I just, that is such a dumb play to reach the ball it, over. It might be a decision. The decision might be something different if it was the one yard line. It was more like the, the two, two yard yeah, line. Yeah, it was the it two. Was at least the one. And so a half, he wasn't right? even reaching the goal line when he did that. Well, I don't know if you guys heard Harbaugh today, but he threw Huntley under the bus. Oh, he said it was Huntley's decision? He said it was Huntley's decision to go high. He he said we we would expected him to go low. He knows you can't go high when you're that short. Yeah, yeah he, you have to be like it was poorly uh, executed. Trav, Travis Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, is that his name? We, we call him the girl so much, I forget his yeah. name. <laughs> he could go high, and his hands are so big, well, it's not going to get knocked out too easily. But only because of Bosa's penalty did they decide to go for two. When they're on the one, then he can do it. But on the two, it's hard to do. Well, well it, it, and and by the way, I think I heard one of the running backs um, call out Harbaugh. Dobbins. Right. It was Dobbins, right, who, said, who basically yeah. said, what are we putting our quarterback in that situation for? You never even gave me a shot. Three times right. in a, they right. didn't give him a, a, a rush from the two-yard line. Three times. Yeah. It's like the Marshawn Lynch Super right. Bowl. <laughs> right. I think it was a poorly coached game. Uh, it's a shame for the Ravens defense. I thought the Ravens D played great. Very few people neutralized Burrow in that way. But, you know, the Burrow-Chase connection is too much. Mixon's very good. Uh, it will not surprise me personally to see the Bengals give the Bills all they can handle because I still – think the bills are overrated i just do what happened to the bengals left tackle though Did he, is he okay or is he out i haven't heard that i haven't heard whether he is or not that is important but josh allen does not protect the the ball i think he was highest in fumbles this year in the nfl in the regular season he fumbled the ball three times lost one of them in this weekend's game i mean what the hell was that game doing so close that miami had a shot on a final drive yeah, that's crazy. Tyler Thompson? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's crazy. Right? <laughs> crazy. Do you know where? Do you know where he went to college? No. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> wow. They pick him off the assembly line. Kansas State. So that's right. I, what I that's see right. is that, that Jonah. By the way, just going back to the injury on the on the Bengals, Jonah Williams. Um, he had a dislocated left kneecap, and is oh, week God. to week. Oh, um, Ouch! So, I don't know how you play that. I hate it when that happens. I don't think you're playing. If no. you're week to week, you're not playing this week. That's for uh, sure. He's gonna find his kneecap in the week ahead, right? <laughs> so, but do you guys do you guys agree that 
the Bills really are not showing their best of late. Yes. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Neither neither the Bengals or the Bills are really coming in with a head of steam into this game. Well, Allen isn't isn't playing great. You know, Allen's just not playing great. Um, I think he misses his offensive coordinator. <laughs> well, the segue had to happen soon enough. Uh, okay. I Here mean, we I, go. I, I think that if we if we keep Rooster gagged and locked to the chair, the, the rest of us can probably agree that it was not that big of a surprise that the Giants won. Like, I wasn't surprised. Were you guys surprised? That they won? Yeah. No. No. But it was closer than I thought it would be. You thought they'd win by more? <laughs> well, yeah, I did. I mean, you know, we kept talking about how the Vikings were, were, you know, this fake, you know, were frauds that they were minus 13 on the point differential or whatever it was that, that they, if, if you, if you take their, all the metrics, all the analytics, you know, that they should have been eight and nine or nine and eight this year. And they were 13 and four. I mean, yeah, I thought the giants, uh, I thought the giants would, would beat them worse. And, and honestly, the way Daniel Jones played, um, I mean, he played great. It's, it's, I'm surprised the Vikings had a shot down down the end, the stretch there. Rooster, I think I think you only shared it with four of us, but now you have to tell the entire world. You have to enter the confession booth to Daniel Jones. I officially take back every bad thing I ever said about Daniel Jones. Wow, including, including my mini meltdown when they drafted him. Um, <laughs> he, I agree I with categorizes mini. I agree with Bison. He looked fantastic. I agree with Bill Simmons. He looked like thinking man's Josh Allen. I wondered if you guys um, heard that today. <laughs> um, but I have to say that when the Vikings marched down on the opening series and sc- scored, I was worried because they looked their offense looked unstoppable at that time. And it turned out that neither defense really was stopping anything, which is why the game was as close as it was because Daniel Jones was far superior to Cousins. It's just that neither defense really stepped up to the plate. I don't know if you guys saw that one touchdown that Cousins threw in the red zone right in the middle of the field to KJ. Uh, what's his name? The receiver, KJ something on the Vikings? Osborne. KJ Osborne. The Giants have such a scrap heap of other teams, um, scout teams that our starting middle linebacker was on the jets like two weeks ago on their scout team. And he didn't know where to go. So the whole middle of the field was wide open in the red zone for a touchdown. That's, that's the kind of talent that Dayball's trying to scrape together to make this work. And that's why I'm still surprised every time they win. If you wanted another reason to fire Brandon Staley of the Chargers this morning, you watch arrested, prepared starters of the Giants and what Dable's decision was, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure that went against his better, you know, judgment because he's 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 a scrappy guy himself and he always wants his players playing, but he did the smart thing and Jones looked rested, smart, very, he looked dialed in in that game. He just looked really focused, like they had a game plan and it, it kind of, in some ways on the offense, it kind of looked effortless at times. It really did. You know, to, to 
just to talk a minute about Dayball, what kind of a coach he is. There was a game earlier this year where he let Daniel Jones have it on the sideline. And I thought, wow, this guy, maybe he's a little too over the top. But Daniel Jones reacted perfectly to that and toughened up. I don't know if you saw the play in the fourth quarter uh, yesterday where the Giants could have put the game away with, and Jones hit Darius Slayton in stride for yep. a first down. That would have just ended the game and he <clears> dropped <throat> the ball. That was yeah. a great video with Dave Dave Ball. Ball was like, you know, the, 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 the most sensitive, caring guy in the world in response to Darius Slayton. Just picked him up and said, hey, look, you've done a great job for us. Keep your head up. We're going to need you kind of thing. He seems to just have the Midas touch with these players. He really does. Um, I do not understand for the life of me, any coach or quarterback that with the game on the line and fourth and whatever, the ball is ever thrown short of that marker. Right. Especially to a big lumbering tight end. Who's covered up. Just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Cousins is an idiot. He's just an idiot. You just can't make that throw. That's your decision. Ultimately, whatever the play call was, that's your decision. You know where the marker is. He's yeah. an idiot. Yeah. I I hear you, and I know that's a very popular opinion that he's an idiot. But why is that? Why is that route even being run? Well, that's a good question too. Good question. I mean, too. why isn't why isn't the tight end? You know, he, he the tight end may know what what the play package is and what the call is, but. The tight end's got to got to know where the sticks are too. I mean, wasn't he changing you know his route based on down and distance? That's a good yep. question too. The ball's got to come out of cousins. Especially maybe, knowing maybe he's he's running a short route to draw you know to draw the defense. I don't know. I mean, you're not really drawing. I mean, I guess you got to somebody's got to cover them, but I don't know. I mean, it's just it, it is mystifying. I mean, it's just mystifying. Um, there really was only one team that took care of business, right? Yeah. The Niners. Yeah. They look good. Yeah. The Niners look good. It's like an all-star team on offense there. And now Brandon Ayuk yeah. is hitting his peak. Yeah. yeah. They are scary. Let's see. Um, well, I guess if Dallas wins, Purdy probably will see a real defense. Like I still, I know you guys have anointed him. I, I, I think it's a great story. I think Mr. Irrelevant playing like this with, you know, 10 wins in a row and all that stuff is great. Um, I still am not sure that he's really faced the kind of pressure that a defense can bring him in a critical situation. And if Dallas beats Tampa, they will bring him that. And I want to see how Purdy reacts to that. I mean, you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) He, I mean, he, you know, our, the Washington defense was pretty good this year and he didn't, you know, I mean, it, he played well against Washington. That's a good defense. Oh, that okay. is a good defense. That is. Yeah, he, he seems to have some poise. And, I, and I'm only raising that because I watched the game. I, I don't know who I'm off the top of my head. I'm not sure who else. I mean, I know we, he picked apart the, the Bucks um, without any trouble. But oh. but the Niners look scary. I would be, I you know, I, I sorry Toby. I I think they're the team that comes out of the NFC right now. But for actually, but for Purdy. Because I still think that a rookie quarterback is going to lay an egg at some point, and uh, and every game gets a little more, you know, of a pressurized cooker, and and it just seems like at some point he's going to lay an egg. But that defense is so tough that he he may be able to. And I also think that, um, 
it's just hard to get to the Super Bowl. The, the, the Niners are going to have to win 13 games in a row. It's just hard to do that. Right and now you're going against, you know, super teams at this point who are, yeah. who have a lot, a lot of talent. It would be, it would be an incredible feat, incredible feat, but they've gotten a lot of people back though, who were injured. So it's like, these guys haven't played all those games like Elijah Mitchell and others. And don't forget their defense. I mean, their defense is well, so defense good that their defensive uh, coordinator is getting interviewed by every team that has an opening for a head coach. All right. So Bill's Bengals, any of you guys with me taking the Bengals? That's a tough one. Yeah, that is a tough one. Is there, is there a line on it yet? Well, it's Bill's minus four and a half, but I, I, I think the Bengals are going to win that game. I do. They've, they've done it before. They didn't exactly look like world beaters themselves yesterday, though. No. And, and, they, and they're down, what, three offensive linemen now? I, I, I think I'm sticking with Buffalo. All right. Well, this was last year, right? Since he went to Buffalo and knocked him off? No, no they knocked off the Chiefs last they knocked year. off the Chiefs. Yeah. Then after Chiefs and, and then the, Chiefs and the, beat Buffalo on that last second play where no one guarded Kels. Right. Yeah. The week before. No, the week yeah. before the Chiefs beat Buffalo. Yeah. On that last second play. And then the next yeah. week for the, for the AFC championship. Uh, Bengals beat them at. Beat, yeah, the Bengals beat. Who'd, who'd the Bengals beat in the in this division in this round? Tennessee? Could've last been. year. Could have yeah. been Tennessee. Tennessee. I take it nobody's. They, but they weren't expected to be there, though. Nobody here's going to be crazy enough to take the Jaguars. So I think we're all taking the Chiefs. Right. Yep. All right. But who do you think <laughs> wins the Eagles Giants game? I, I, I'm taking the Giants straight up. I don't even need the points. I love it. What are the points? It's seven, seven and, and a half. half. Oh, well, I'd take the Giants for those points, yeah. No, no, no. Who's going to win the game? Um, Well, Scott Leonard and I are pretty certain it's the Giants. (laughs) (laughs) Not Darcy? (laughs) I haven't talked to Darcy. I I, I think the Eagles win. I think it's going to be very close. I do think the Eagles win. I think uh, the Giants treated yesterday – kind of like a Super Bowl. And in a way it was. I mean what they've done from last year to this year, but I I think that their defense is impressive. I think the Eagles have traditionally been able to bottle up Saquon. They have a very good run defense. So it really comes down to can Dimes do it again with this patchwork quilt of receivers um on the road, angry how's, I don't know. How's Jalen? How's Jalen's health? I, I think Sirianni's playing games. He says that he's sore and then he came out of the final game against the Giants sore. But we're getting everybody back. We're getting Josh Sweat back. We're getting uh Lane What about Lane Johnson? Lane Johnson back. And we're we're gonna come in the game, if not playing a hundred percent, at least playing all of our players. And I don't know. It's a deep team with a lot of talent. I don't know how what? the Giants answer our offense. Well, I, I, 
I, what, I said the Giants. I said the Giants because I just wanted to see your reaction. I actually think the Eagles will win the game. And I think there's a good chance that, that Danny Dimes comes out and throws three picks and everybody in New York has, right. doesn't know what to do. Oh, they haven't so, given him like, a contract yet. So yeah. who are we going to draft? <laughs> no, I do. I will. Officially, I'm taking the Eagles to win. That hey, game. House, what, what did Jalen do during the off week? Rehab. This past week? Yeah. Did he go to Cabo? I think he was out on a boat with OBJ and some right because as long as he didn't go to Cabo, I think you have a good chance to win. I mean, this I, this, I this feels so. like Rooster remembers 2007 when when the Giants, the wild card team, came in and beat Dallas when they were 13 and three, had the number one seed going playoffs, and they came in and they beat them. And then what did they do? They won the Super Bowl with a Tyree catch. It just feels like they're catching a little bit of lightning right here. Well, the, the one thing the Giants Isaiah Hodgkins, yeah, watch he, out. Yeah, the the one thing the Giants have assured all of the NFL, but particularly the Eagles this week, is no one's taking them lightly at all anymore. I mean, they are an absolute real team with a great coach, with a guy that if he doesn't trip over the ten yard line, he's very dangerous. By the way, did you see we ran the Statue of Liberty? Yes, play? yes. <laughs> Oh, the one. Did, What's did, next? Fumble Ruski on Sunday. Wait, did you see the one b- the behind the back play? Yeah, yeah. the yeah. Statue of Liberty. That was it. But but that was insane. That was yeah. really an insane. That was super play. coordination right there by Danny. We we, we got to talk about tonight's game though, right? I mean, I know we we sort of talked about it last week, but it, it's wait, where's Mel to go down? He's at the game. He is right now sitting with a Michelob Ultra in his hand, or maybe a White Claw. And That'd be both. I mean, he's going nuts tonight. I see. How uh, how you feeling, Pope? What's your uh, on a zero to ten? What's your agita level? What What's the confidence level? Well, I said agita, but you could go confident. Could you confidence if you want to? Zero to ten. How confident are you? Two point five. I think wow. that's high. I think that's high. <laughs> <laughs> the beaten man. Who I mean, the, who do the Bucks have back besides Jensen? It doesn't matter. They have Tom Brady, and and we have, we have thirty years of, of futility of winning a playoff game on the road. And and you have Dak, and we have Dak, who you know, as you know, Dak can be good Dak or bad Dak. He's been bad Dak lately. Um, it's not, it's not going to be in Dak's hands. It's not. It, the, the, you are you you are going to see an elite running performance tonight out of both your backs because it keeps Brady off the field. If if McCarthy has half a brain, there will be questionable. That means questionable. it's going to be an air raid. <laughs> <laughs> there should be forty carries between the two backs. Keep Brady off the field, and I don't think that defense. I don't think that defense stops these two running backs. And I think I, the, I Dallas mean, deep, the Dallas defense is is going to is going to pick on a um, sort of a, a worn out, beaten down offensive line. Yeah, but if, the, if Brady has time. Up. If Brady has time, he can pick their cover, their secondary apart because they're starting another, a rookie at cornerback. Um, and, you know, that's been a big black hole in the last six, seven weeks. Uh, Dallas has given up points. Somebody what Dan Quinn should not do is blitz Micah Parsons or the rest of that defense every down because if there's one man that knows how to beat the blitz, it's Tom Brady. And if Dallas goes crazy on the blitz, you could get you could get chewed up. Somebody yeah, asked. Uh, that. Somebody asked on the text today who has more pressure on him, Brady or, or Dak. 
And oh, I don't think it's please. even a close call. It's not even close. It's right. not even Dak, close. Dak is playing for his life in Dallas, right? If he comes out and has a bad game and they go out of the playoffs, oof. I mean, so is McCarthy. Gonna, the coach is going to get fired. Um, you know, Sean Payton's looking over the shoulder. Yeah. What did I tell you guys at the beginning of the year? I said, it doesn't matter what happens in the regular season. It's all about the playoffs for Jerry. That's all he cares about is trying to get a six Lombardi. That's all he cares about. If Dallas steps on its dick tonight, you know, massive change coming. He's not going to, he's not going to just sit there and take it. He thinks he has a team with the talent to go to the Super Bowl. And if they lose tonight, it's a, it's a franchise changing loss. That yeah. that's the way the Dallas fans think. I mean, nobody has any confidence in the team right now. You know, it's angst times a thousand on steroids in Dallas because the, the city is just assumes that they're going to do what they have done the last 30 years, which is lose. If Dallas fires McCarthy and the chargers fire Staley, it's going to be oh, open up the bank for Sean Payton. I go, I go to the chargers. Back up the Brinks truck. Chargers, for him. Chargers aren't going to. They're they're a cheap franchise. They're not. Gonna they are pay him cheap the money. franchise. They are not right. going to pay him the money. But if they, I decided mean, there's, there's to, part if they of decided to, and I had my choices as Peyton, I would take Herbert and that young team. Hell yeah, take Herbert. There's part of the Dallas fandom that wants them to lose tonight so they can have the change that they think is necessary. Well, that's weird. That's but that's right. their psyche. Yeah. All right, All right well, good luck. Here we go. We got some locks. Um, we have two unresolved games still from this week, but Milk won with Cincinnati uh, to go 1-0 in the playoffs, and Bison won with the Niners minus 10 to go 1-0 in the playoffs, and Rooster um, loves, the char- lo- loves the Chargers and got hosed. So... Um, here we are in week two. We have a pick in from Milk from the Tampa Stadium. He is going with Cincinnati plus five. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so Bison, you're you're one and oh in the playoffs. Keep it rolling. What do you got? KC taking the Chiefs. Chiefs minus eight and a half. Yep. Uh, Pope. Yeah, I'm going with the chefs. Rooster. Hold on. I forgot we were doing this. You only have really three choices. Really only, what are to give me the, give me the, give me the, Sorry, it's, it's, it's the bills, uh, minus four and a half, the chiefs minus eight and a half and the Eagles minus seven and a half. I'll take the bills. Okay. Um, Bills minus four and a half. I uh, think the Chiefs are way too much for the Jaguars. It's a big line. I can't even touch the Eagles or say what I would say about that spread. So I'm just going to go Chiefs minus eight and a half. Wow. Three of us are on the Chiefs bandwagon. It should be fun. That that storyline of Andy Reid and Doug Peterson is a great storyline. So that, that, that should be that should be fun. Well, look, all the, um, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about Dayball and uh, um, Staley and and just and, and Harbaugh and coaching decisions and, and all this stuff over the 
over the weekend, of course. Um, so, House, you posed an interesting question uh, earlier today. So go ahead and tee it up for us and, and let's let's get into this a little uh, bit. You know, somebody wrote on our text chain about the quarterbacks in the AFC in these playoffs versus the quarterbacks in the NFC and just the gulf between the talent. And of course, you know, I guess if you're if you're milk and you've seen Brady get you a Super Bowl and and if you're, you know, Pope and you've seen um Jerry squander talent, if you're Rooster and you see, you know, Gettleman versus what you've got this year with this roster, if you see how the Lions turn around, I just thought it's very interesting. Like if you can only choose one, you can only choose one between a stud GM, a stud coach, or a stud quarterback, you'd get one choice. And I want to know the Sunday morning quarterback's choice. And I'm going to lead off with this from Milk, which is pretty humorous because he gave his answer. And his answer is head fucking coach. A bad, <laughs> a bad head coach can destroy a good quarterback. See Urban Meyer versus Doug Peterson starts there. GM is good as well, but you better have a good head coach or you are fucked. So Milk took the head coach. Uh, Rooster, what do you got? Milk, Milk took the words right out of my mouth. And to make my point, I'm going to juxtapose the Chargers and the Giants and just ask you this question. Can you imagine how good Chargers would be this year with Dayball as their head coach? Right? Made a, It would make a huge difference. And the reason, and I do think GMs are important, but let me just point out that since last year, the changes to the Giants have been Gettleman left us in such a um, salary cap hole that we had to get rid of Evan Engram, our, our pretty good tight end, and all of our defensive backfield except for McKinley. We got rid of uh, James Bradbury, who's now on the Eagles, and others. Um, and what we added were two rookies, Evan Neal, who's not quite ready for prime time, but I think will be in a year or two, and, and Kavion Thibodeau, who – you know, who's been hurt a lot of the year and has flashes of greatness right now. But those two guys did not carry us to where we are right now. The coach did, in my opinion, and the and the fired up play of Saquon and Daniel Jones. So in my opinion, the head coach is the most important. Um, but the other two are are very important as well. All right. Um I really have in my own mind what I think each of Pope and Bison are going to say. I mean, Bison has had, I don't know, like 26 quarterbacks. Yeah, you have to say quarterback. <laughs> 26 quarterbacks in 13 years. And Pope's, Pope's hasn't been in the Super Bowl since 1995 with the GM who's his owner. But I don't know. Will they surprise us? Bison, what's your pick? Well, I'm going to go with coach. And I, and I think a big reason for that, the reason that we've had 27 quarterbacks is, is some coaching. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't believe that of the 27 co uh, quarterbacks who have started a game for Washington in the Dan Snyder era, that there wasn't somebody on there who could have been, who could have been a, a serviceable quarterback or uh, for instance, RG three, who they basically ran out of the league, the way they used the coach used him. Um, 
of course there there was some other stuff with RG three there too. But but I, I don't know. I just think you know when when watching this is the reason I've always thought coach was so important. When Washington got Lavar Arrington in the draft, Arrington came in probably as hyped up as any linebacker you know, coming into the NFL in a long time. And, and, you know, just one of the, had a lot of hype around him and the coaches who had him always tried to force him to do things he wasn't good at. And he was a, he was a good player, um, but he never fulfilled his potential. And I think that's on coaching. I think when you have guys come in who have a lot of potential of all the athleticism in the world, uh, it's the coach's job, um, Top to bottom, it's their job to, to make them make plays. So I, I think coaching is is the most important thing. Wow. Three for three so far. Pope, is it still going the same? Wait. <clears throat> he was coach over quarterback. You missed that one. No, I know. Yeah. I'm, saying, I'm saying all so far, everybody has said coach. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about yeah. your picks. No, I'm saying milk and rooster and no. vice of all gone coach. Are you keeping it going? Nope. Haven't had a GM here since 1995. There's a reason they haven't won uh, uh, two playoff games in a row, which would get you to the NFC Championship since 1995. And that is that we have our owner who pretends and plays, you know, fantasy GM and is not a true GM and makes poor decisions on who to hire and how long to keep them as coach, which trickles down. Uh, because if you don't, I, I mean, yeah, I buy that you need to have a good coach, but the fucking GM is the one who's supposed to go out in there and get them. And, and there's been no, um, stability with the Dallas Cowboys franchise at a, the most important position in my mind, because they're the ones that are the gatekeeper. You know, they, they make sure they got the coach in the right place. They make sure the coach selects the right players. And so it starts from the top and, and you can't have an owner play GM, um, the, you know, the Cowboys, when when Parcells acted as a GM, even though he wasn't titled GM, that's when they, they had a pretty good run there, even though they still didn't have any success in the playoffs. But you can't just go without a GM. And and I think if you look at some of the, the better teams who've been consistently winning in the playoffs and winning Super Bowls, they've had they've had good GMs. Now, one thing about GM is you don't really know all their names. They're kind of behind the scenes. But they're the ones pulling the strings. It's not the owners. They're the ones pulling the strings. And so I've been bitching about it as long as we've been friends, that we don't have a fucking GM in Dallas. And that's why we don't have another fucking Lombardi. He seems to have some skill on draft day, um, but has zero skill with personnel once he, well, hires, he's gotten, once he gets he's gotten better. the people. He's gotten better on draft day because he's delegated that to Steven for the most part. I mean... You guys know the story. He really wanted to draft Johnny Football. Yeah. And instead got talked out of that for drafting Zach Martin. Okay. Right. That's how bad it is. Well, I am gonna have to agree with Pope. I I think the GM is the most important. I think that's what makes or breaks a franchise, not just for a single year, but for making a run on it. I do think the Giants are an excellent example, not so much for what happened this year, but just for how bad Gettleman was and how much he set them back. I think if you look at a team like um, 
the, just the decision, for example, of the Broncos to make that decision and trade all that away for Russell Wilson. That was a GM's decision that's going to set that franchise back for five to 10 years. And going to advance the um, Seahawks five years early. Right. The Eagles this year in the offseason, what, what Howie Roseman did to steal players like A.J. Brown and C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the Saints – uh, to, to sign Hassan Reddick away from the Panthers. I mean, those are the players that have been so critical to us this year. Now, it's kind of fascinating. I'm almost shocked that between the five of us, when, I don't know, like 98% of Super Bowl MVPs are quarterbacks, that none of us chose the quarterback. But I really do think that between the coach and the GM, it's a very close call who can make or break the franchise. I think there's good reasons for either one. But for me, uh, you know, the Lions was a team, again, to completely turn around their franchise when they changed GM. Um, they're not quite there yet, but they've made so many strides this this past offseason. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of them like it. The Browns, the Jets. These are teams that are slowly turning around with, with better GMs. Um, I think the Washington experience, I mean, they had they had some real problems with their GM, and I think they're improving. I think in the last couple of years, they're really improving uh, from switching their GM. So I don't know. I'm going with GM. It's a really interesting bar chat, and I hope some of our fans will chime in on social media, too. This is a good one. So here's a pop quiz. Do you know, anybody know who Brett Veach is? No. No. Or Brandon Bean? No. Brett Veach is the GM for the Chiefs, and Brandon Bean is the GM for the Bills. It shows you they're the people behind the scenes. They're the nameless people, but they're the ones that are pulling the strings. Yeah. All right. Good chat. Good chat. Uh, I clearly have the least credibility of any of anybody in answering that question since I'm the only team not in the playoffs. I'm surprised you didn't put so, owner in there. Toby. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's That's first and foremost. We're on on a franchise sale watch here. That's that's the only thing that's important this offseason. Um, okay, we're gonna anything else on on football, NFL, nothing. Anybody? That's Good. It. All right, we are gonna step outside of our comfort zone for a minute here, mm. uh, listeners. It's Girl Scout cookie season, and mm. did you know there's an actual season yes. that runs? From January to April, January 10th, Girl Scout cookie season kicked off. Mm. So we have set up a uh, a little bit of a bracket style here. Um, and I think we want to have the first round. I'm going to share this here. If you guys can see this. Well, this is good. I want to take a picture of this for our... Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start <laughs> the tournament. Um, I've ranked... Uh, did this? I, I came up with the rankings. I was a selection committee of one on this one. You guys are stuck <laughs> with it. Um, the uh, Tagalongs got the number one seed with Samoas, the two what? seed, and, and, and Thin Mints, a three seed. They all get buys into the next round. But we're just going to do the uh, the opening round this week. I love you. Uh, we have the four four has to do a play in game. <laughs> well. <laughs> Wait, yeah, is there really a is there really a difference between the lemon ups and the lemonades? Apparently. Hmm. Mm. So I'm told. Yeah. Um, 
So I'll tell you what the difference is. Um, yeah, I think I think our listeners want to hear the description of these some of these cookies they've never had. Yeah, sure. So and, and there are some um, there are some different ones out there uh, this year. Here we go. So you can go to the Girl Scout Cookie website and meet the cookies. Um, so lemon ups, lemonades are savory, refreshing shortbread cookies topped with a tangy lemon flavored icing. Oh. Not to be confused with lemon ups which are crispy lemon cookies baked with inspiring messages. For instance, this one says, I'm a leader. Oh, man. So those are the lemon ups versus lemonade. Good luck selling that. Very very important. Lemonades (laughs) have the nine seed, lemon ups the 10 seed. Uh, And again, let me just finish running through the seeds here. So I gave you the top three. Number four is the Raspberry Rally. Probably a missed seed there. I'm not going to lie. Uh, number five are adventure pulls. I don't even know uh, what is that. Oh, I don't. The adventure pulls, um, indulgent brownie inspired Ooh, cookies good. topped with caramel flavored creme with a hint of sea salt. Wow, that's, that's probably wow, that's mm, quite a wow. That's a new one. That's yeah, that's good. yeah, yeah. That's the five seed. Could the be six. rookie of the year. How about a caramel chocolate chip? Sounds Girl good Scout too. Cookie, that's a six. The seventh seed are the dosi dos. Yeah, those are good. Those are like the nutter butter ripoffs. Yes, exactly. The eight seed goes to s'mores. The nine to the lemonades. The ten to the lemon ups. And the eleven seed is the toast yays. What is a toast yay? The hell is that? Oh, I know that the it toast like yay. Maybe it's is, a, like a vegan cookie or something no it's a yummy <laughs> toast shaped cookie full of french toast flavor and dipped mm. in icing i like french toast oh, dipped mm. in icing i think that could be a that could be a uh, sleeper pick there and then the ever dangerous 12 seed is the coffee tastic uh, that's yeah, usually an upset. Matchup 12 is five is usually that's unfair that yeah. 12 five matchup uh, yeah, i don't cool. like this toffee test statistics say that's a that's definitely favoring the 12 seed yes. well yeah but the toffee tastic got they're, they're kind of like Wait. coming out of a non-power five because they're gluten-free gluten-free yeah, yeah, they're, they're rich and they're not good with sweet crunchy toffee bits i don't know how buttery you can be if that's like a mid-major yeah. if you're gluten-free, yeah. you're a mid-major it's basically that that's why it comes in with the 12 seed oh there's a 13 seed off of the trip oils what the fuck is a trefoil? Which one is that? Oh, that's uh, the, those are boring. Oh, that's a shortbread cookie. Oh, that that's, out of there. that's a thirteen. The original that's, one. That's the original Girl Scout cookie recipe right there, man. Wow. Progress. Thank God for progress. All right, guys, um, let's do it. So we're just going to do this by by a quick vote. Um, we're going to have to. This is not going to be scientific. Uh, but the the lemonades versus the s'mores. The s'mores. S'mores. Okay. S'mores. It's got to be unanimous on this, right? Yeah. We're moving the s'mores along. S'mores. How many of us are here for today? Four to zero. Nice. Big win. S'mores move on. All right. Adventure Fulls versus Toffee Tastic. Oh, those Adventure Fulls look good. I'm Yeah, that's the the brownie one with the caramel. Yeah. I wonder if the Girl Scouts will will sell a few doobies with these. I'm, I don't know. T- Toppy Tastic is the gluten mid-major, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's a bunch five. out there that like gluten-free, just even though. No, no, no. This is our pick. This we're is not, our we're pick. Not, we're not appealing to the masses. This is no, our We're not pick. guessing what the masses would do. No, no this no, is no. our we're, pick. You're voting get, from your. Give me Adventurefuls. Yes. House? I'm I'm sorry. I got to go with Toffee Tastic. I love toffee. Well, but... I'm pushing the Adventurefuls into the next round. Three to one here on this one. So we're moving adventure polls on. They got three votes, one for Toffee Tastic. 
Trefoils mm. versus the Raspberry Rally. The original Girl Scout cookie versus the Raspberry Rally, which, um, yeah, probably overseeded. It's a thin, crispy cookie infused with raspberry flavor, but dipped in chocolatey coating. Oh, uh, chocolate saved it for me. I'm, I'm going yeah. raspberry roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, neither one. Um, that's disgusting. I, I, I'm going with UMBC and the trefoils. All right. I'm, Brewster, I'm what are you taking? Raspberry Rally. Oh, oh shit. Uh, so we can't have a tie. Um, we can always flip a coin. Oh, God. Um, I, have a Girl well, I, was, I have a Girl Scout penny right here. I'm going well, to go with the Raspberry could go Rally. To the lower seed. I'm going to go with the Raspberry Rally so we don't have to deal with the tie. There we go. I'm sorry, Trefoils. You just got screwed. Probably. We're but talking to the okay. committee about that next year. Milk. All right. it, milk would have voted for probably the trefoils because they go better with a Mick Ultra. He he definitely would have. It's got to be uh, less calories. Uh, <laughs> Toastiers versus the caramel chocolate chip. So this is the French toast inspired cookie versus the uh, caramel Ooh, chocolate chip. That's a tough earlier batch. I go I go six. Yeah, you gotta have car- if you have caramel on a cookie, it wins. Yeah. And sea salt? Fuck yeah, we're moving yeah, six bro. along. We don't even yeah, need I'm to hear going from Toastiers because I love French toast. But all right, all right. That's a Let's sympathy see. vote. Yeah. Uh, and the last one for this week are the Dosi Dos versus the Lemon Ups. Dosi Dos. It's got to be the Dosi Dos. Yeah, Pope? definitely Dosi Do. All right, four nothing for the Dosi Dos. So basically, uh, chalk to- prevails as usual. And, it looks yeah. like it. Yeah. Did we have? We didn't have any upsets. Nope. Chalk. Yep. Interesting. Foils got screwed. I guess the seating, the seating was done pretty well. The seating was pretty good. So, all right, that's it. We'll get back to you next week with um, just uh, put the Samoas and the Tagalongs in the finals, and let's get it over with. I'm not so sure about that. No, no, come on now. You got to watch the five seed triples, the caramel chocolate chip. I think we're going to have some interesting outcomes here. Um, So, for our listeners, uh, feel free to to weigh in and and, uh, let us know. And if you're a Girl Scout troop in Dallas and you you want to, uh, you know, help out, maybe we'll give you a plug. Bring some some of those. Eight cookies by uh, the Cochran firm. We'll uh, take care of it. There you go. <laughs> Anybody got a punchable face this week? Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. Well, we have one in the mailbag. All right, let's yeah, hear it. Who's it from? That's a punch. Our our loyal listener, Rob Jenner. Um, if you haven't seen the Barstool Sports video that was released of the actual what happened with Odell Beckham on that plane, when there was all that noise about he got kicked off and he complained, his agent wrote a letter and he was on meds and he was tired and that's the only reason he had his hood over. Well, now the video has been released. He was wide awake. And he was being very difficult. And they he forced the entire plane to deplane because of wait what a minute, they were wait a minute. For part of the flight, he didn't have his pants on. Yeah, exactly. They had to ask him to put his pants back on. He was being an entitled, ridiculous, spoiled brat, which is just so weird for a guy who needs to get a contract right, right? now and sign with somebody. Just so weird. He was acting like a total, total ass. And I'm always happy to punch ODB, but Mr. Jenner of Baltimore, Maryland, uh, has the first big uppercut to ODB. 
I like it. I you like it. hear Mike Francesca on his podcast talking about this. He's, what, what did he say? He basically said, I've been going after him since the Giants first picked him up. They pampered him. He's a spoiled baby, and he hasn't changed one bit. Hey, well, ODB's always, uh, he, you know, it's a, it's a little surprising that he's not a repeat. I think that's his first punch. It's a little surprising. He well, he's been it. irrelevant for, you know, I guess since, that's la- true. since last year. OBJ. I guess that's true. Who's ODB? Yeah, yeah I don't know. ODB is some rapper that uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bison <laughs> listens <Yeah>. to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I think we're going to have a maybe perhaps controversial lasso here, Health. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think this is controversial. I don't think you know anything about this story, actually. Okay. Um, So there is a 22-year-old soccer player uh, who plays for the top team in Ukraine named Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar Donetsk makes... Shakhtar Donuts, that was the 14th seed in this. Yeah. <laughs> you were the bracket, I think. eliminated the play-in game. Yeah. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk uh, routinely makes the Champions League, but nobody really knows about them. But their top player is a guy named Mikaelo Modric. Modric. And he's a, he's a winger who has enormous, enormous talent. And eventually, when you have enough talent on one of these top teams, you're going to get bought by another higher level team. So Chelsea, uh, this past week, paid $75 million to shock bag of donuts. Yeah, to, to, to shock <laughs> donuts for uh, the rights and to, to, to get this player. And here's what's really cool. And I'm also going to just read off this statement. The president of this Ukrainian team who receives the $75 million from Chelsea has decided to give $25 million of that to launch the Heart of Azovstal uh, charity, which will give $25 million to the, fallen sol- to the families of fallen soldiers in Ukraine. And uh, – what this president wrote was, dear friends and fans, FC Shakhtar has signed a final agreement with Chelsea, and thus Ukrainian football player Mikhailo Mudrik will continue his career with the Blues in the strongest national championship, the English Premier League. First and foremost, I want to thank the entire civilized world for helping Ukraine. Today, we are able to talk about Ukrainian football thanks to the Ukrainian army, the Ukrainian people and the tremendous support of the entire civilized world. Only by joining efforts, we will defeat the evil that has come to our homes. I have mixed feelings today. On the one hand, I am happy for Mikielo and proud of him. This guy is leading by example, showing that talent and hard work can make the impossible possible. I'm ac- absolutely confident that the entire Europe will acclaim Mikielo's brilliant and fine play. On the other hand, I've never made it a secret that my dream is to win European trophies. This means that players like Mudrik should be invited to our club, to our Ukrainian championship, and we should win European trophies with such players rather than root for them, even when they play in the world's top clubs. Unfortunately, it is impossible now as Ukraine is fighting the horrendous and unjust war against us by the Russian Federation. But I am confident that we will win, and we will play a friendly against Chelsea at Donbass Arena in a Ukrainian Donetsk. 
We have to do everything we can to bring this day closer. That is why I've made a decision to launch the Heart of Azovstal, a project designed to help Mariupol defenders and the families of fallen soldiers. Their acts of bravery are unparalleled in the modern history. It is them, their sacrifice and courage that helped contain the enemy in the first months of the war and let all of us feel the inevitability of the victory of Ukraine now. I'm allocating $25 million today to help our soldiers, defenders, and their families. The money will be used to cover different needs from providing medical and prosthetic treatment and psychological support to meeting specific requests. To ensure transparency, the project will have a professional independent team that will be in touch with the Azovstal defenders, their families, care providers, and volunteers. We are forever indebted to our soldiers. That is a cool move. Yep. And yeah. I think cool. deserving of Alaska. Take the next twenty-five million and buy tanks. Yeah, and a lot more. That's a good one. Not the one I thought you were going to do. So that's the controversy. I still love Doug Peterson anyway. That was a better lasso, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anybody got anything else? Go Bucks. Good Enjoy stuff, the guys. game. Go Bucks. Could be McCarthy's last. Break the hearts and spines of the Dallas Cowboy fans and team. Do it. Just do it. Come on, Release Brady. Them from their Come on. Release Come them on, from Brady. their pain. Why don't you want Eight to see no, the Cowboys, the Cowboys no, 49ers game? Cowboys 49ers game. That's what the world wants to do. Oh, no, the world is not. The world wants to make the Cowboys. Boy. Oh, 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 SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.